listening to episode 8 of Let's Talk About It with Khadija Iman. In this episode, I chat with Jackie Dallas. She's an actress. She's been on shows like Criminal Minds, Stranger Things, and NCIS New Orleans. We talk about her journey, trials, and experience with shifting her career focus from being a doctor to becoming an actress. She also shares her thoughts on why taboo topics like mental health, racism, and sexism are so hard to talk about in the industry. So without further ado, I present to you episode eight of Let's Talk About It with Khadija Aman. Enjoy. today. I like to start each interview with you introducing yourself and just giving a little bit of background and just talking about how you got your start in entertainment. Okay. Hi. Hi, guys. Uh, My name is Jackie Dallas, and awesome. Thank you so much for having me. This is so great. My name is Jackie Dallas. I am an actress. I am probably best known for my role on Stranger Things in season one as Mr. Clark, the teacher's girlfriend. I do a lot of other acting aside from that, too. Obviously, uh, I've done some television stuff. I've been on The Criminal Minds and NCIS New Orleans, The Resident. I do a lot of indie film work. One of my favorite genres right now is to do horror movies, which Khadija and I have (laughs) spoken about a little bit. We'll get into that. But yeah, no, I'm an actress and I'm, I'm living my best life right now, guys. I decided five years ago to quit my previous job as a doctor. Whoa. And yeah, I tell my mom, hey, I'm, I'm going go to <laughs> go to California and become an actress. And I just, you know, I, I worked at it and five years later, here we are. And it's pretty, it's a, it's a pretty incredible journey. It's been a crazy journey. Mm-hmm. I'm curious to know, like, your parents' response to that when you were saying, when you were like, I'm going to be an actress. Yeah, they, no, they, they were, out? my parents are awesome, by okay. the way, like, total shout out to my mom and dad. I won't say they were 100% okay with it, because I don't know what responsible parent would be, mm-hmm. <laughs> but... They were incredibly supportive and very understanding, and the thing is, is like, I, I went through this other path, right? I went through this other career path. I was, I was a doctor for a while. I did it. I, I tried it, you know, mm-hmm. and it wasn't making me happy. Mm-hmm. I think that at the end of the day, as much as parents want to push you in a successful direction, at the end of the day, they want their kids to be happy, mm-hmm. and they saw that being in medicine wasn't making me happy, and they knew that... I wanted to be an actor, like, ever since I was a little girl, so when I made that choice, they definitely had their concerns and their trepidations, <laughs> but I think they were like, okay, well, good luck, let's see mm-hmm. what happens, you know? Yeah. Well, we talked about this a little off, you know, off the podcast, but why did you want to get in entertainment? I, gosh, uh, it sounds selfish, but I like to perform. <laughs> <laughs> I love performing. I feel like every uh, performer and actor has an element of that. I, I like to tell stories. I like being creative and, you know, kind of exploring the creative side of things, storytelling side of things. And another part that I really like is uh, as an actor is that I can do something different every day. I can be a different character every day. Mm. If I, you know, if I have a day where I wake up and I just don't want to be myself, I can go and be someone else. And that's very liberating in a lot of ways. When I was little, I just, I always wanted to do, I don't know, I always wanted to be an actor. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So being a woman and, you know, not white. (laughs) (laughs) Not that you can Um, tell with my last name. (laughs) So what are some of the struggles 
you know, with trying to break in with being a woman and also, you know, being like a person of color? The biggest difficulty that I've come to discover as a, as a female and as a person of color, as an Asian, it's just a, it's limited opportunities. Hollywood has made a lot of strides in the time that I've been working in this industry, but it's still, it's still a challenge. There's just not enough roles. Well, specifically as an actor, because that's what I can talk about right now. As an actor, a lot of your career is kind of out of your control. You know, um, you have to wait for, one, the role has to be written, mm -hmm. then a producer has to decide to make the movie, and then the casting director has to call you into audition, and then the, you know, director has to like you from the audition to cast you, and then at the end of the day, like, the editor has to not edit you out, right? So when you're an actor, so much of your career is, like, beyond your control. It doesn't matter how talented you are, what, how phenomenal your headshots look, how much acting training and credits you have. At the end of the day, you're always going to be at the beck and call of someone else, mm. you know? So if you look at all of the TV shows and all the movies, even though diversity has been increasing and the number of female roles have been increasing, they're still just a fraction of the roles that men have and that Caucasian roles have. So trying to compete in an industry that's already tough and already competitive and then just being told that there's much fewer spots available for you. Mm -hmm. um, that's in itself a logistical challenge. Some of the more, uh, I guess not so much getting the job kind of challenge, but like just dealing with issues that all women deal with mm -hmm. <laughs> in any workplace. <laughs> mm -hmm. But that's not, you know, exclusive to the entertainment world. I feel like that's kind of everywhere. I mean, I dealt with, you know, uh, gender discrimination or uh, ethnicity discrimination in all of my other jobs too, you know, elements of that in, in medicine and in, uh, you know, bartending even. When I worked retail at Kmart. <laughs> <laughs> it's just kind of the way we were, uh, I don't know, I don't want to say the way things are because I hate that phrase, but we have been conditioned to kind of accept it, mm -hmm. if that makes any sense, or like pick our battles. Mm -hmm. And one of the challenges in entertainment is that as I said before, because as an actor, so much of your career is out of your control, you're always concerned in the back of your mind as a woman or as a person of color. If I rock the boat or if I say something, am I going to be labeled as difficult or a diva or crazy? <laughs> mm. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. I feel like as women, we are kind of like battling against ourselves of, of what what battles we should be fighting and like what's the right thing to say and like all the stuff and like being labeled all that and so like what do you think are some things that us as women can do to better advocate for ourselves and better speak up and like what are some things that we can do to help others like speak up as well I think a lot of what we're what what the movements that are kind of starting now I think that is very helpful I think, you know, between the Me Too movements and the Time's Up movements, just kind of recognizing that as an individual even, like, we're, we're starting to have a voice. And there's a sense of, what's the word I'm looking for, like camaraderie or, mm -hmm. you know, like there's solidarity in this. Yeah. Um, it's no longer, if I speak up, I'm going to be crucified or, you know, worst case scenario. Or at the very least, like, I'm just going to be dismissed. Now we have an army <laughs> of women who are 
speaking up and agreeing and we've all got each other's backs and I think that's so important because I think the longest time one of the biggest reasons we were afraid to speak up was because we would be dismissed or because we weren't being taken seriously. We are still picking our battles of course but I think that has been incredibly helpful and at the very least even if we aren't being heard for this particular situation or scenario or this one incident just kind of knowing deep inside that there are other women out there who are ready to help defend us mm-hmm. and help, you know, help us get our voice across, I think is a huge step, huge important step. Mm-hmm. Why do you think people, especially in the entertainment industry, are so uncomfortable with talking about, like, mental health and racism and sexism? Like, why do you think that is? I mean, it's a taboo subject for the longest time for everyone, right? Like, mm-hmm. I feel like the average person had a hard time talking about mental health and, and racism. I guess the... The cop-out answer here is that traditionally Hollywood has been run by an older generation of white men, and, Mm. you know, these issues weren't exactly relevant to them. But going a little deeper into that, I think that, I don't know, this this might just be my rambling. Feel free to (laughs) edit this out. I feel like as the entertainment industry, like, a lot of our responsibility is to be storytellers. Mm -hmm. And it's for us to talk about controversial subjects and, um, you know, touch upon the pathology of humanity, right? Including mental health Mm -hmm. and the way we treat each other in in society. I feel like that's a huge responsibility. And I feel that in the indie world, we do a fantastic job exploring these issues because we know that we're not necessarily making these films and projects with money on the line, even though that would be nice. <laughs> we're, we're looking for our audience, and we're looking to tell our story and have our voices heard. So the indie world is really, really great about telling these incredible, tear-jerking, moving, like, anger-inducing stories. But when it comes to big-time Hollywood, it's about the numbers, you know? Mm. It's about box office. It's about what's safe. It's about what is a sure thing, what's a, what's a good bet. Not saying that there aren't directors out there who think outside the box, and not saying there aren't projects out there that just you know, have a runaway hit, but for the most part, I think they tend to stick with these kind of glossed over approaches Mm -hmm. to controversial topics, because that has been kind of traditionally what has worked for them in the past. Only recently, when we are, you know, taking a stance and, and trying to make these voices heard in a much bigger, more public and larger platform sort of way, are people really starting to like sit down and listen and raise an eyebrow and say like, hmm, maybe these are things that we should be talking about. Mm-hmm. Maybe these are things we should be exploring. And people who are not used to watching indie films, because let's be honest, the average person who's not in the entertainment industry probably doesn't know how to access things from Sundance or Mm -hmm. short films, right? Like, my my mom doesn't know how to watch half of my movies if I didn't send her a YouTube link. Um, She's like, if it's not in the theater, she has no idea. So I think given the success of recent shows and films that touch upon these topics, it's really starting to um, address the fact that the society, we're we're hungry for these stories. Mm -hmm. We want to be heard, you know? Mental health is not exclusive to one demographic or one gender or one you know, socioeconomical class. It's it's a universal uh, struggle. Mm-hmm. And I think it's great that we're starting to explore that on a much larger scale. Yeah, I would definitely agree. It's funny because I saw this quote today. There's this YouTuber, her name is Lily Singh. She's got a late night show and she's the first Indian American woman to do that. Uh-huh. And so, but she said this quote today on her YouTube channel, like, 
not every story has to be for everybody, but there should be stories for everybody. I agree. For you, like, you saying that, and it's like, I see that happening, and I feel, and I definitely agree with that, and I'm definitely trying to add to that pool of stories, because, like, I tell weird, crazy stories about, (laughs) like, like, uh, LGBTQ communities, and, um, I just add, like, witches and whatever, and then, you know, like, but, like, it's still, like, kind of universal, you know, but I'm trying to do it in a way that can kind of translate in people's minds who might Mm -hmm. not even know what they're learning, but they're Mm -hmm. cautiously learning something, like, that's what I try to do with my writing, and so. Yeah, no, and it's just so important, I mean, like you said, it doesn't have to be everyone's story, but... I mean, if there's if there's a story out there that has been experienced by one person, you're not the only one. Yeah. You know, there's going to be other people who are going to relate to you. And and I just created this short film mm-hmm. called Proud. Um, it just publicly released last week, which I don't know when this is going to air, but it, it released in uh, June. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it was a short story that I wrote in this just kind of a manic phase after watching Crazy Rich Asians, and it's about... It's loosely based on my experiences growing up as the only Asian American in a small U.S. town. So I wrote it based on, you know, like the, uh, the subtle racisms and the overt racisms and just the interactions that kind of shaped me into how I define myself as an Asian and also as an American. Because I was born and raised here, but not everyone looks at you and would see it that way, right? Mm-hmm. But after I released it, even though it's an Asian story... I had so many people of, like, other ethnicities and other backgrounds come up to me afterwards and be like, I loved it, and it was great, and I relate to it, and I had these same experiences, and someone has said this exact same thing to me, and it's just, it went to show that it wasn't just an Asian-American story, it was a very universal story, mm-hmm. and I thought that was really fulfilling. Yeah. <laughs> awesome, well, congrats on that. Thank I have you. to, you said it's, it's, like, it's been shot and it's out? Or? Yeah, so okay. we filmed it over three crazy days last year and it's it's been edited together yet yeah, runs like maybe 12 and a half minutes okay. and it's publicly available on youtube now okay. and yeah, yeah we, we did the out. film festivals yeah it was really cool <laughs> it was really really cool so uh what do you think is the biggest misconception about mental health in the industry i think the biggest misconception is that you're not worthy if you have mental health issues or if you struggle with it. I think part of that taboo comes from the fact that we don't talk about it. We don't talk about it enough. A lot of times society kind of frowns upon or discourages us from experiencing and expressing uh, negative feelings and negative Mm -hmm. thoughts. And that's where I think, you know, storytelling really comes in, therapy comes in, and (laughs) storytelling is really a version of, of therapy, if you yeah. think about it. We feel like we're the only ones. Right. We feel isolated. Right. We feel so alone. I think that's really, really, that's really hard. Mm-hmm. When you're already struggling with depression, you're already yeah. feeling these feelings, and then you have society kind of reinforcing these untrue myths mm-hmm. that you're the only one. I think that's yeah. that makes it that much more difficult to overcome. I agree. That's why I started this podcast, to just show people that, we're all going through something, you're mm-hmm. not alone. And that's, mm-hmm. I mean, that's why I write too, like you were saying, it's mm-hmm. therapeutic. Can you talk a little bit about kind of what mental struggles you face and how you got yourself out of that sure. to keep moving forward? Yeah, 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 yeah. I guess some of the ongoing struggles that I deal with is, one, I have a little bit of anxiety. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I get nervous when I'm, you know, talking in front of people. I get nervous when I'm, like, put on the spot, especially if I'm not, like, 
rehearsed in something. Um, this is why I became an actor. <laughs> I have a script. I know exactly what to uh-huh. say. But yeah, like and like going up to people that I don't know or just like people that I'm intimidated by because I admire them or I am scared of them. <laughs> I feel like these are fairly universal, but at the same time, like that was one of the hard things I had to overcome. Um, in medicine and in acting. In acting, you have to always be, like, kind of on, quote, unquote. And then in medicine, like, you always have to, like, be confident, right? You always have, well, one, you should be confident. Mm -hmm. You should know what you're talking about. But, like, to convey that and be able to talk about very complex things and also, like, in very difficult situations, being able to communicate with someone, having anxiety is is really difficult, um, you know, in in working with that. Another thing is uh, just... Gosh, and this is something that I've gotten better about as I've gotten older is just having that confidence, right? Like not having that self-doubt, mm-hmm. not not worrying about am I good enough? Am I am I making the right choices? I guess it's kind of anxiety related to, but you know, making the decision to like quit your career and like go do something silly like be an actor like (laughs) like oh my gosh the conversations I had with my head were like so much worse than the conversation I had with my mom Mm -hmm. I don't want to say that I struggle more than anyone else more or less than anyone else but I know I also recognize that I have like manic phases which I think a lot of creatives do where I will go for like days without sleeping and I have these great ideas and I just want to do this and that and I'm like oh my gosh I just need like $10,000 to make this mm-hmm. movie my husband's like simmer down Jackie simmer down <laughs> go take a nap <laughs> let's not let's not do that <laughs> but along with the highs is like you know you've got your low days too right mm-hmm. you've got your days where you just like can't get out of bed and and recently I had a really uh really upsetting like two weeks in a row where I had gone out for a pilot here in L.A., which I was super excited for, which is, like, every actor's dream is to, like, be on a pilot mm-hmm. because then you're a regular series, you know, um, series regular character on a show. You can, like, build your career from the ground up, and it's just the opportunity is, like, so amazing. And I was in, like, the running for, like, the, up until the chemistry read, like, one of the last rounds. And last minute, they literally recast me. This, this character that I went out for was specifically written as Asian, mm-hmm. and then last minute I found out I, I was released, and they put out the breakdown again, and they were recasting this time for a Caucasian, which is a whole other topic no, we can no. get into, but I found that out at, like, the nth hour. Like, I mean, they were already talking about numbers and contracts with my agent, and I was just like, oh my gosh, this could have been, like, life-changing. Mm-hmm. So that was really devastating, and um, not to get too, like, boo-hoo, but, like, literally two weeks later, my dog of 17 years passed away. It was a really, really rough time, and I just remember, like, I didn't want to do anything. I took a break from acting for a while, which I think is not uncommon in this sort of situation. I just kind of stayed home and wallowed in bed for a couple of days and told myself it's okay to do that. You know, I just kind of had to, like, deal with things at my own pace, and, um, I think that's the important thing to recall. Remember, like, everyone deals with things differently, mm-hmm. and it's it's okay. Whatever is your way, it's okay. And having a good support system and, like, having people who understand, like, you're having a bad day or you're having a bad week or you're having a bad month, maybe even a bad year, but knowing that you're going to pull out of it and, you know, being there for you, I think that's really important. Mm-hmm. That's how I got through it. Yeah. Thank you, hubby. <laughs> Well, sorry to hear about that. I didn't want to make uh, you get too emotional. I know, I know. I'm still like, oh, gosh, okay. Okay, so I won't pull, pull out the heartstrings any longer. <laughs> I'll ask one more question, then we go to the fun questions. Cool, cool. What 
like you've been giving advice, you know, this whole, you know, uh, interview, but what is some like general advice that you would give others who want to be actresses and who want to be writers or in the industry? Like, what are some advice you can tell them to get through whatever they're going through? Or like, if they're scared to enter because they're a woman or because they are other quote unquote, Mm -hmm. you know, like what is some advice for them? Oh, the, you know, the soundbite here is to just like, just go and do it. Put those fears aside and take a deep breath and jump in because right now is one of the, like, there's a movement going on. So right now is going to be probably one of the easiest times it's ever been if you are a woman or a person of color or, you know, however you appear, however you identify, however you relate, like, now is the time to, like, go out there and try and get your voice heard because for the first time, I feel for a lot of us, there's an audience, mm-hmm. you know, like an active audience who is hungry to hear what you have to say. With that being said, I know being told when you're like on the other side of the starting line, just do it is like so frustrating because mm-hmm. you're like, uh, <laughs> what does that mean? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Treat your creative career, because it is a career, just like you would any other job. Mm-hmm. Do your research. Go and do your homework. You know, learn about what is it about the business? Like, what? how does the industry work? How does the industry function? What are these job descriptions? Like, oh, I need money from an executive producer. Like, go and, like, learn about who an executive producer is, mm-hmm. what they actually do, what they're looking for, and most importantly, treat it like a business and treat you or your script or your work or whatever it is, treat it like a product. And I know that seems like you're just kind of, like, selling out or selling your soul for something, but at the same time, this is a business, And that is the most straightforward way of getting yourself heard and whatever it is that you're pitching out there is if you treat it like a business and you're speaking the same language as the people that you are pitching to. Mm -hmm. Like, we are in Hollywood now, and 9 out of 10 people here are like, I have a dream, right? Mm -hmm. And dreams are great. Don't ever lose that passion and don't ever lose that fire. But just because your mom thinks you're great at something doesn't mean that you actually are. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't mean that someone's going to risk a million dollar, multi-million dollar industry Mm -hmm. on someone who has nothing to show for it yet, right? So don't be afraid to just hit the ground running wherever that may be, you know, the proverbial mailroom, right? Like start as a PA, start as an intern, start as a student, you know, start working in student films, you know, like there, there's so many opportunities out there if you can figure out where to look and that's different for every market. If you live in a major market like, you know, Los Angeles or New York, you're going to be able to find these resources a lot easier. If you're in a small market, start small, you know, look for film schools, look for student films, look for indie films, mm-hmm. look for, uh, you know, be, be, be in, I know Hollywood's going to shun me for saying this, but start out as an extra, you know, work mm-hmm. background, just learning set etiquette, learning terminology, mm-hmm. um, being surrounded by like-minded people, that's going to not only teach you vital, vital information, but it's also going to get you in the mindset of being like, you know what, other people are doing it, and so can I. You're going to get ideas, you're going to find friends, people who are going to be willing to collaborate with you. Don't think that everything costs money. A lot of things do cost money, (laughs) and once you get to a point, they cost a lot of money, but Mm -hmm. when you're starting out, like, don't be afraid to fail small, you know? Use your your phones, use a a camcorder, a hand-me-down, YouTube even, you know, use your laptop, start a blog. Do whatever it is that gets your creative juices flowing and gets you out there, makes you feel like you're actually creating something. Mm -hmm. 
And then once you demonstrate that you can do what you claim to be able to do, you're going to find people supporting you and they're going to fall into line to help you. And before you know it, you've got a great support system, you know, and you're going to be out there creating great things. And all of that starts with just going out there and doing it. Awesome. Great. Well, we've come to the fun part. I'm going to ask three fun questions. So question number one, what do you like to do for fun? Oh, no, I hate this question. <laughs> Why is what this do you, fun question? Like, that you think it's fun. Nobody else has to think it's fun but you. Um, I love, oh gosh, I, I love watching movies, but mm. I feel like that's a cop-out because no, I, I love to research. <laughs> um, no, I love watching movies. I used to read a lot of books. I need to get back into that. I feel like time is such a commodity because I'm a workaholic. Mm. I love uh, eating. Yeah. <laughs> is that considered a hobby? It can be. Yeah, I think one of um, my husband and I, one of her favorite things to do is just to go out and, like, have some good food, have some good drinks, talk mm-hmm. about whatever we want to talk about, put our phones down. Yeah, kind of unplug and actually, mm-hmm. like, have a human connection. Yeah. What fictional character do you wish you could meet? <sighs> Thor. <laughs> <laughs> reasons <laughs> i've had this weird fascination with the show supernatural on television and oh, i know it's yeah. like super cheesy but i'm one it's of those my favorite like, show oh my god i love you <laughs> dean winchester is on that list oh okay he's, he's an, i'm a dean girl i'm a sam girl i wish i could be in that show i want to be their apprentice like i want them to teach me i want oh, you know i want to be god. the next since it's ending yeah spoiler alert yeah well, that's not a spoiler i mean that's well, probably yeah, yeah, knowledge yeah. but oh my god i'm like <laughs> devastated that yeah. it's ending as a fan and also I'm as an actor sob. that um, was like one of my goals when i started like five years ago my sister yeah. and i are like you have to get on this show i was like well they have so many episodes and like you watch you rewatch it yeah. and there's so many actors who have had like these tiny little yeah. roles like five ten years ago uh-huh. I was like wouldn't it be great if that was me i was like yes i'm gonna be on the show there's still every time year, there's i'm still just time. like it could be me could be, every time i see an asian girl on there i'm like that could have been me <laughs> oh man okay last question if you could shop for free at one store or supermarket, since you're a foodie, um, oh. which one would it be? Shop for free? Like, forever? Sure. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> well, only one store. Only one store. I would have to say... I mean, I'm going to pick a big store, like, like a Neiman Marcus. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's Just because awesome. they have a little bit of everything. Oh, Costco. No, I can't go through that many Costco things. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you just I say d- the store again? Really Neiman Marcus. Wait, what's that? Uh, like Marcus. a department store. Oh, Neiman Marcus. Yeah. Am I saying it right? Am I saying I don't it wrong? Know. <laughs> <laughs> I've just. I feel like I've heard of it, but I just. Yeah. I don't think I've been. I pick. I'll pick like a, a like a, a department store with some good high end stuff uh-huh. that I can just not you know not worry about not being able to afford yeah. at this moment in time. <laughs> and I think they have a like a cafe usually. Oh too, really? So that would cover my food as well. <laughs> oh wow! You got it figured out. You cheat the system. <laughs> Thanks again for coming. I hope people are inspired by your words. I know I was. And so, again, this is why I do this, to try to reach, you know, audiences around the world and hope that they will not give up on their dreams if they want to get into entertainment. So thank you so much. Thank you. That concludes Episode 8 of Let's Talk About It with Khadija Aman. Did you enjoy the episode? What was your favorite part? Tweet me your thoughts at underscore Khadija Aman and use the hashtag let's talk about it so I can see it you can also follow me on Instagram at let's talk about it 20 hope to see you there thank you so much for listening 
and be sure to subscribe for weekly episodes every Thursday. Bye!